2: But Chad calls him the gangster of love. What's up, boys and girls? It's your favorite podcast, aka the Chad and Cheese Podcast. This is your co-host, Joel Midnight Toker Cheeseman. And this is Chad. Is this really going to be the worst Olympics? So wash. On this week's show, Smart Recruiters goes full on Unicorn. Pando Logic tells Appcast, Hold my beer. And porn stars at Kroger. No, wait, that that's two different stories. Damn it, where are my notes?
1: Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese
2: has a new LLM? (laughs) No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about Text Kernel.
1: and data
2: to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh, my God. How about extracting meaningful
1: insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of First and foremost, I've got to say uh, your your Canadian soccer team
2: took a loss against the uh, US. My Canadian soccer team.
1: Yeah, wait, are, are you allowed <laughs> to be US now? Is is Christine allowing you to actually I
2: don't know. Let, let me check the fridge for my nuts. Yeah. <laughs> see, see where they
1: are. <laughs> <laughs> the gold cup baby. Yeah, the US is uh playing some pretty good uh pretty good soccer right now. Or, or football for our uh, European football. listeners. Football. We have a running conversation going in this household of what were or might be the worst Olympics. And we're starting to, I've got my top three, uh, but I want to throw it out to you first. I want to see what Olympics do you think were the worst top three, including Tokyo?
2: All right. So top three is a little tough. I mean, I, the one that stands out in my mind, um, is, uh, is 1980. Um, I was, but, a but a wee lad at the time, but I, I very clearly remember my father who was a coach by the way, uh, being really upset because we, uh, we didn't go to the 1980 Olympics, uh, due to, uh, Russia's involvement with Afghanistan. We decided to uh, politically make a statement. Uh, and bow out of that that uh, that Olympics for the summer, I, I believe it was. So, so that one, I think, is number one. The other number two that would, I guess, be semi-bad would be, I guess, Berlin, uh, when the Nazis put on uh, the games, although Jesse Owens uh, tearing it up was certainly a highlight for Olympic history. Um, other than that, I, I'm not really an aficionado on Olympic history. Um, certainly, I watch it and enjoy it. But uh, I'm not your guy for like the top three worst Olympics of all time.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll give you a pass. I mean, this is you didn't this wasn't homework. So don't don't worry about it. But I got to say that the worst Olympics has to be Munich in 1972, the Munich Massacre. Okay, Uh, And then 1996 in Atlanta, the bombing. That was, uh, that was pretty bad. And then 2021 in Tokyo, we are in the middle of a resurgence of a pandemic, and this is all happening. I get Moscow, but my formula is life over sports. Yeah. <laughs> what, you know, what, what the fuck are we thinking? I, I get the Olympics is big, and we really want to be back, and we want everything to be right, but- yeah, it's just not happening, guys.
2: Yeah, there's a I think a story in the Wall Street Journal uh about how this is th- this is going to be a 3 billion dollar just disaster uh for Tokyo. Um which obviously isn't fun. So do you think do you think it's sort of an event past its prime that it's time to move on from the Olympics?
1: No, I don't think it's time to move on from the Olympics. I think it's what we should do is recognize that we are in the resurgence of a pandemic or right in the still in the middle of a pandemic, per se. We we need to be smarter about this. I mean, there's no reason we couldn't push this off for another year and, and make it happen in a much safer, just safer way. It just it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, plus you have all these athletes who aren't gonna participate because they they caught covid or or, or what have you. I mean, it's just it doesn't feel right to be
2: doing this, yeah. So you're not gonna watch is what you're saying.
1: Uh I'll probably watch much
3: less.
2: Yeah. So there was there was a time with, you know, when there were three networks and the Olympics were a huge, huge deal and everybody pretty much watched all of it. It's becoming much harder to cut through the clutter. And unless you're Michael Phelps, you know, racking up gold medals or Hussein Bolt, you know, with fire under your feet, uh, unless you're really blowing it up. It's sort of a niche audience, I feel like, as opposed to when we grew up, when everybody was hanging on everything that was going on at the Olympics. Yeah, there was less content back then. There was. Less options, less choices. So everybody watched the Olympics. Yes. And now I feel like uh, so one of the stories that that stuck out with me was uh, the Netherlands, I think, recently getting fined for not wearing bikinis. Like, how is it a rule that they have to wear a bikini in a, in a sporting event. Like that seems really archaic to me as well.
1: Yeah. I, I believe it was Norway and go figure the sexualization of athletes. You get all these individuals who work their asses off to make sure that they are lean trim, they are ready. And then the next thing you you know, the IOC is like, yeah, put on this hot bikini. Oh, not the yeah. guys. Yeah. The guys don't have to do this, but yeah, you have to put on these bikini pants. Yeah. No, those look hot. We want you to do that. It's like, yeah, what it's, the fuck are you thinking?
2: It's not like, remember the shark suits from years back where people wore, wore full-on body suits that were like shark skin in the pool. Yeah. I could see banning those, but to go from bikini shorts to just like boxer shorts or boxer briefs uh, is a little bit crazy to me.
1: Yes, very much so. Very much so. Big shout out as you you uh, threw Bezos into the into the intro. <laughs> Big shout out to Steve Rothberg for posting on social media that Jeff Bezos isn't Jewish, but his rocket surely is. Yes, we see what you did there.
2: I'm gonna do a little flip on the uh, billionaires in space a little bit. Okay. Last last week, I got sort of hard. I got sort of negative on the whole billionaires in space. But you know what? I I don't necessarily want to be you know the, uh, the 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 European in the 15th century <laughs> saying like, why the hell are you going out in that boat? Like you're gonna die. You're not gonna see anything. It's gonna be a disaster. Like I don't want to be a negative, totally negative about this. Maybe traveling into space will will lead to really really good things. So I want to pull. pull Pull back my negativity on uh, billionaires going into space, at least for this week. Well, I'm going to double down.
1: (laughs) There's no reason. Again, what they're doing is they're creating this new amusement park, right? That's Mm -hmm. really it's an amusement park ride that costs a shit ton of cash that just, you know, millionaires and billionaires are going to be able to uh, to enjoy those monies, obviously, uh, could be going toward things that we need to fix here and i mean if if jeff bezos and amazon was not to mention blue origin actually didn't get federal government assistance i -hmm. mean actually he received welfare from the federal government jeff bezos (laughs) there's so many layers of irony here and hypocrisy I, i just can't i can't get on board with it i just can't do it
2: yeah yeah, well, I guess I guess time will tell. And unfortunately, we'll probably be gone uh, by the time we figure out whether it was worth it or not.
1: To, to be able to come down off this high, this Bezos high, I want to give a shout out to McCormick, you know, the, the spice company. Sure. They posted a director of taco relations job. And this is genius. As mm-hmm. the director of taco relations, you will be McCormick's resident consulting taco expert. You will be our official eyes and ears for all things taco. You'll have the opportunity to work with the McCormick kitchens team to develop innovative and delish taco recipes, travel across the country in search of, the latest taco trends, mm-hmm. dialogue with other like-minded taco connoisseurs across
2: social media. Any word on what automated tool they're using to handle the flood of responses <laughs> to this job posting? Because they're going to need one.
1: Uh, you, what they should have used was TikTok. And here's why. <laughs> you have to submit a creative video showcasing your personality and passion uh, for tacos, and why you should be the very first ever director of taco relations. Nice. They, they should have used TikTok and TikTok resumes. Um, this is a part time, <laughs> limited term engagement lasting uh-huh. up to four months. You're going to be an independent contractor. But I got to say, I saw Torn Ellis's video. Yesterday, it is hilarious and it, amazing at the same time.
2: He applied officially for this position. He officially applied for this position. <laughs> well, speaking of TikTok, I have a shout out for them as well. I know okay. we give them a hard time, or at least I do, with uh, with the whole job employment ambition. But uh, new new research came out. Uh, really favorable to them for their advertising. So, TikTok ads uh, drive higher responses, intent, and engagement than promotions on other social medias. This is according to a study from TikTok with NeuroInsight, which analyzed the neuro responses. That sounds a little scary. Of 57 people. That's not a real big, uh, big universe, but anyway, we'll go with it. Uh, 57 people ages 18 to 35. The research also found that TikTok top view and in feed ads had significantly higher memorabilia memorability than TV spots and digital video. So a small segment, but Hey, TikTok ads seem to work.
1: Yeah, no, they do work, but they can't work as resumes for all the reasons why we talked about before. It's just not practical, right? I I do want to say one thing that will work. I believe Mm -hmm. uh, a LinkedIn poll that just closed, uh, Today had over 3,200 respondents okay. supporting a four day work week at 73%.
2: And this was your
1: poll or someone else's? This is somebody else's poll that I participated in, but I thought it was oh, okay. a great poll. And I thought, you know, we're talking about, we just talked about the four day work week in Iceland, uh, mm-hmm. where they're looking to institute a four day work week. Microsoft had awesome gains when they did their pilot in Japan Mm -hmm. and obviously through, polling we're saying that you know yeah people people can do this i'm, stuff. I'm they,
2: shocked yeah. i'm floored that a majority of people would prefer a four-day work week that is shocking to me on linkedin what,
1: what is <laughs> many of those people are 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 managers and many of those people are are entrepreneurs right yeah, so who yeah, knows all right. all
2: right uh shout out to a podcast i listened to recently the podcast is called odd lots I think it's a Bloomberg podcast. Uh, Anyway, uh, check out an interview they did recently with um, Omni Hotel. Uh, It's all about employment, um, how difficult it is for Omni Hotel to find people, to keep people. It's a really interesting sort of uh, inside baseball commentary by Omni about just how challenging it is to keep workers and get workers. And some of the ideas, one of the ideas I thought is worth mentioning. Some of the things that employers or companies, particularly in the hospitality space, are looking at is can they can they have fewer you know cleaning rooms all right that's a that's a time intensive you know challenging job they're looking at ways of saying like hey if if you opt out of the room cleaning which a lot of people probably would if there were incentives would you opt out of house or housekeeping if you got two free drink tickets or if you got 50 percent off your dinner at the bar whatever so companies are looking at unique ways to sort of fix uh some of the the challenges with employment and it's a really good uh really good listen so again that's odd lots uh and it's uh interview with omni hotel it's very nice i'm gonna jump into birthdays are you ready for birthdays sure
1: happy birthday <laughs> to david steven seagal bernstein over at uh, job sync and also thanks to his boss alex for sharing that uh david is turning 30 for the mm-hmm. 20th time so uh Appreciate it. Happy birthday. And there's nobody who rocks a ponytail in our industry.
2: You you know, his birthday cake was under siege. Get it? <laughs> Get it? See what I did there?
1: Oh, there's no male who rocks a ponytail like david does
2: so happy birthday david a couple of the birthdays uh that i'll i'll note uh our buddy george larock out with (laughs) your cock out larock celebrates a birthday uh sir richard collins (laughs) formerly of click iq and now at indeed celebrates a birthday roy Maurer, our buddy from (laughs) sherm yeah celebrating a birthday and brian chaney (laughs) uh one of our fans over at indeed uh for sure celebrates a birthday this week as well Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. And by the way, if, if it's not your birthday, but you still want goodies coming to you in the mail, you gotta go to chatcheese.com slash free. We just had a beer tasting with Barb Francillo out in uh, out in Arizona. Yep. Very nice woman. She's got very good fashion sense. She was wearing a Chad and Cheese t-shirt, which you can also get at chadcheese.com. T-shirt sponsored by Emissary, beer drop sponsored by Adzuna, and of course, whiskey sponsored by our buddies at Sovereign.
0: Topic!
2: All right, this one's hot. Oh, no, hot.
3: no, no, stop, stop, oh, stop. Sorry, I have sorry.
1: breaking news. I have breaking news. <laughs> Career builder names Sue Arthur as CEO of career builder go figure so arena got the boot kids
2: did this just come across your desk it i don't just, know, I just, all right this is hot news for me too
1: yeah this came this actually just dropped uh, a little bit earlier this morning and wow. it looks like yes new ceo susan arthur we're going to have to dig into susan susan we wish you good luck <laughs> In trying to steer this
2: dumpster fire we know as Career Builder. Remember, I said when they got acquired that they'd be thrown into Yahoo and AOL and all those news properties. Uh-huh. This is part of that move. I'm telling you, this is part of the rebirth of Career Builder. Just maybe, just maybe. Arena getting canned is only more shocking than four week work weeks getting a majority of people. Uh, favoring, <laughs> I think. Even more news
1: earlier this morning: Pando was acquired by Veritone.
2: Yes. Now this one I know about. Okay. The first one he dropped on me, and I might have to research that name. Research that name while I'm talking I'm and see it. if I'm we doing, know it. We I'm find doing. anything about Sue? I'm on. Okay. It. So this one's hot off the presses too. What a busy day we have, kids. Okay. Veritone buys Pando Logic for 150 million in a cash and stock deal. Veritone, which trades on the NASDAQ under ticker symbol VERI, announced it has signed a definitive agreement to acquire Chat and Cheese sponsor Pando Logic, provider of programmatic ad solutions and recent acquirer of chatbot Wade and Wendy, which listeners will remember. Price tag is $150 million, consisting of upfront payments of $50 million in cash and $35 million in Veritone stock. The remaining $65 million in cash and stock is payable based on earnouts, tied to financial performance in fiscal 21 and 22. Uh, the said deal is valued at three about three times Pandologic's expected 21 gap revenues. The stock is up almost 10% on the news. So Chad, are you ready to add Veritone to your Robinhood account?
1: This is very interesting and out of left field and, and I, I think we should get used to this. I think we should get used to more companies outside our space uh, starting to acquire and move into the space. Uh, Veritone yeah. provides structure to unstructured unstru- video and audio through the use of AI. It's it's interesting because we always talk about like with TikTok, how do you how do you contextualize something that is video or audio, unless you transcribe it, you consume it, and then use that data to contextualize it. It seems as if Veritone is doing that. And with all of the video and audio that we have available to us, let's just say YouTube alone, to be able to to consume and structure that data to make sense of it is, is pretty Fucking powerful, but I think we should start looking for more outsiders becoming insiders. Uh, core platforms need to start taking a look at this space right now because they need to buy or face new competitions from outsiders looking to to disrupt this space. I'm big on it. I think it's 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 pretty cool. I think Veritone's been around since 2017 or, or, or something like that. They're they're yeah. a fairly young company.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's much easier for us to comment when you know Stepstone buys Appcast than it is Veritone <laughs> buying Pandologic. Logic. In fact, probably most most of what I know about Veritone is what you just read to me uh, in this in this podcast. <laughs> now, so what so what I did research is that uh, Veritone is a bit of uh, apparently a, a poor man's Palantir, which is has had a pretty big year after going uh public i think late last year veritone has a market cap at a cap of around 600 million which means this is a pretty big deal it is um for them and wow. it makes sense why they would sort of uh put a lot of weight on the the cash outs base or the earn outs based on performance most analysts that i've that i read uh for this story are pretty negative um on veritone um it's had a pretty big drop from i think around 40 dollars a share to right around 20 now and again i mentioned it's it's a uh, 10% on the day. So the market, for the most part, at least likes this news and this move. I also think uh, commenting on sort of the dollar amount is is interesting. Uh, listeners will remember Stepstone bought a majority stake in Appcast, uh, which most would agree is the apex predator in the programmatic space. This was in 2019 for uh, $79 million, um, although it's been sort of disputed on how much Foreman got out of that deal and, and whatnot. But so good for Terry Baker and his team for, in my opinion, landing a premium for uh for the company and the and the uh, the product I think now it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to a lot of the players in programmatic like recruitology and job edX who are both sponsors of our show yep. you got you got vonk and a lot of others uh, I mean, it's a pretty limited number of people yep. so uh, to me like the price has been set now let's see if we have some buyers
1: and this is going to force the hands of the the ICIMs of the world who have no core programmatic what are they going to do are they going to acquire they're going to partner i mean this is going to force them to take a look at what's in the market because as these technologies start to get gobbled up it's going to be much less of an opportunity for them to provide distribution programmatic distribution performance-based distribution to their clients inside their ecosystem.
2: Yeah. Do they wait to do that till after going public? So in other words, get money from, you know, public entities and then go buy these folks and say, well, see, they were valued this much on the market. So now our market cap goes up because of that acquisition. I think they'll probably look to do that as part of an add-on after going IPO,
1: but we'll see. Pando has, uh, they've been in the market for a very long time. They were a real match and then obviously switched over. We sure. branded to, to Pando If the acquisition of Wade and Wendy, I think helps this deal dramatically. From the mm-hmm. standpoint of more streams of data to feed the beast. Yeah. It's all about, at this point, we have to start looking at signal liquidity. Who can gather signals faster, make sense of those signals and use them to deliver relevant content, data Actions And it goes further than that. So from looking at Veritone and what they're trying to do, again, consume content that hasn't been consumed before in a way that it's never been consumed uh, and then provide signal to it, it I think is
2: amazing. Yep. Well, moving on to a little bit of more money and a a bigger story. Uh, A big story until this one came on. Uh, Our buddies at Smart Recruiters are on unicorn alert, everybody. Uh, The one platform to rule them all rages on. Uh, Popular ATS or whatever we're calling the one-stop shop recruitment solutions these days. Smart Recruiters announced new funding this week, raising $110 million in Series E at a $1.5 billion valuation led by Silver Lake Waterman. Total funding is $205 million, according to the company. Founder and CEO and friend of the show, Jerome Turnick, told TechCrunch, quote, Recruiting is coming out of the administrative function and into value add and sales and marketing, end quote. In the last 12 months, the company added 200-plus enterprise customers, grew revenue 50%, and experienced 70% bookings growth. Can you say IPO? IPO. <laughs> Chad, your take.
1: Question is, who do they buy with this? Right, you know, we they 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 bought JobPal not too long ago. Uh, what do they What do they buy to add into the ecosystem? What do mm, they do? Programmatic, the perhaps. Programmatic. Don't know, but that's the question. Because as you start to round out. Uh, and become incredibly integration focused with partners but also know that there are huge markets much like a uh, programmatic advertising yeah, what do you do you know where do you go that's that's the, the hard part and they are seeing dramatic growth i think smart recruiters and we're going to talk about greenhouse here in a few minutes i think these are some of the new guard in the applicant tracking system game they are faster they're much more nimble and uh, I think, to be quite frank, they uh, they're doing a damn good job. It's 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 awesome to see this.
2: Yeah, you know, I I first met Jerome, I think, just when they launched, and he came up to me and said like Yeah, we're launching a, an apps a totally free ATS." <laughs> and I said, "Well, good luck with that one." <laughs> <laughs> it, it it has turned out pretty well for them um as as they've uh, as they've as they've as they've evolved uh to me this yeah I just think I, i'm ready for the IPO mark arena i think uh i sims is probably gonna go first and then you're gonna see jobvite smart recruiters maybe greenhouse all hit the public markets and then it's and then it's game on we'll have a lot of fun shit to talk about yeah it's Jobvite's turn to uh to buy something next <laughs> And we'll be watching and reporting on it. Let's take a quick break. That was a lot to uh, digest for our listeners.
1: Human resources is supposed to be about humans. I mean, it's right there in the name. But when your hiring team is more like an assembly line glued to their computers, manually posting heaps of jobs everywhere they can think of, that human part feels nowhere to be found. This is a new era. PandoIQ takes the mind-numbing copy-pasting and nerve-wracking guesswork out of the job posting process. When you plan a hiring campaign with PandoIQ, you tell us who you need. Then, before you ever spend a cent, we predict what it will cost to find them. PandoIQ chooses the ideal recruiting sites from thousands of options, targeting the ones your next great hire frequently visits, then fires off your ads at precisely calculated times, surfacing the most relevant applicants for you to pick from. Now you're free to get to know the best talent build great teams, and take care of your humans. PandoIQ will do the rest, so you can get back to doing what the computers can't. For more information on PandoIQ, go to Pandologic.com. That's Pandologic.com.
2: Well, you mentioned Greenhouse, uh, so yeah, they're in the news. Uh, Greenhouse this week introduced Job Ad Market, a new functionality that offers customers instant access to thousands of global job boards, from within Greenhouse, users save time while sourcing and receive data-driven recommendations to find high-quality candidates across large and niche job boards. John Strauss, president and co-founder Greenhouse, said in a release, quote, Data-driven job advertising, is that a nicer way of saying programmatic, uh, is an important part of a company's sourcing strategy when searching for high-performance who have a specialized te- skill set, end quote. What exactly is going on at Greenhouse, Chad?
1: In the press release, here's a quote. Using the Greenhouse job ad market, recruiting teams are provided recommendations that help identify the best source for candidates, end quote. So, First off, when I read this, I was like, there's no way Greenhouse built this from the inside out. All of the benefits that they cite are, are, are really powerful and it takes a lot of data and a lot of time and they haven't acquired a programmatic vendor or anything like that. So then uh, I went over to LinkedIn and Garrett Starr, who's the VP of partnerships at Greenhouse, posted on LinkedIn about this major announcement. In, in this post, he thanks a bunch of people from the Greenhouse team for making this possible. And the last two names in that post, one of them was a founder and the other director of partnerships at Vonk. <laughs> so this is obviously a white labeled Vonk solution. You and I months ago talked about Vonk in, in one of their press releases saying that they want to use some of the capital that they received to come across the pond. Guess what, kids? They snuck mm-hmm. up on you.
2: Here they are. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, to me, this is a little bit like uh, Spotify versus Apple Music uh, for HR. Spotify may be a superior music service, just like uh, AppCast or Pando or others might be uh, superior in terms of programmatic. But you know what? Apple Music isn't that bad. And the functionality kind of works better than better with my iPhone. And Siri knows my favorite playlist. So I'll go with that one. So for, for users, that don't know the brands that are in the marketplace, it's going to be really easy and native to them to post a job or do things within Greenhouse and go, oh, Greenhouse has another feature. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'll check that box. And they can funnel all of those users into their product, which they already know is is a in-demand product based on the marketplace and what people want. Right. So if I'm in the app store and I'm a competitor now to Greenhouse's white label programmatic or whatever our uh, distribution is, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. It, it places a bigger uh, importance on my brand and making sure that that people like the brand and we'll we'll bypass the greenhouse product to use my product. um so that's going to be an interesting uh, unfolding as i as i look the next move i think that will be interesting is do greenhouse and others bundle all of these quote-unquote native services to really get an advantage so in other words can you buy distribution, programmatic, chatbot, whatever that's all greenhouse branded and save money because they're bundling all of that together? And then that really puts the, the, the pain on the, on the single providers, um, for that. So also greenhouse gets all the revenue. I'm sure that's, uh, I, I assume they get the revenue versus the the companies in the marketplace where there's actually no revenue share as far as I understand. So that's to me where it gets really interesting of, of how the marketplace companies feel about this move. Do they, are they really able to funnel a big amount of, of customers into their native solution and do they bundle these services, To really put pressure on on vendors.
1: Our listeners need to understand first that this is a and this is a big data point that hiring companies will spend more on recruitment marketing in a year than they do on actual tech like an applicant tracking system or a CRM. So that's point number one. Point number two, for the most part, the ATS and the CRM are not getting any cut on that big revenue stream right this could prospectively be a cut on that revenue stream so greenhouse isn't getting the money right it's going through a white label although they're getting a slice of it this makes it much easier as we talk about pando getting sucked out of the market it makes it much easier for the isems of the world for the smart recruiters for the job bites to actually take a look at, at at a white labeled solution like this and say okay first and foremost I don't want to work with all those fucking publishers. That is a nightmare. The maintenance on just keeping all those job boards, job sites, performance, all that shit is is a nightmare. I wouldn't want to fuck with that at all. So why not partner, outsource, white label, all of that and still get a piece of the revenue? I think... Overall, Vonk becomes the rails in this scenario, the distribution operating system for the applicant tracking systems and the CRMs in the market. And if they if they put a few more of these together, you can't you can't buy them out. They are already too fucking big because they're tapped <laughs> into the market.
2: Yeah, you're going to see a lot of vendors now rethink their business models to try and get into the ATSs as a white label solution. So that they can be viewed as a native solution and and nailed down probably uh, exclusives, probably nail down long-term contracts, probably nail down uh, some. Sig- I think significant rev share has got to be part of of some of these deals or most of these deals. So you're going to see a lot of vendors go to the, the you know, the conference room and talk about how do we, you know, what's our move here? Uh, do we try to white label or do we keep, you know, keep the brand first and and for, uh, front and center? That'll be an interesting conversation that a lot of vendors are going to have in the next six months.
1: Think of the amount of transactions that happen through one applicant tracking systems for recs that are opening on a daily basis. And every single one of those recs, let's say uh, they post automatically through as a process methodology through a, a VONC at a dollar a piece. How much do you think that's going to be per day?
2: <laughs> It'll buy a lot of beer,
1: Chad. Exactly, Trust me. <laughs> exactly. So I do want to do a little historical kind of like throwback and reminisce that Equest in Taleo at one time, they did one of these things and it made John Malone rich or let's say more rich, okay? Uh, He did an exclusive right out of the gate with Taleo, which was the biggest applicant tracking system at the time. And he was the embedded distribution engine, not performance driven, obviously, just dumb distribution, but distribution engine for Taleo. It was one of the smartest plays I've seen in the industry. Period. This, if this can be pulled off in multiple applicant tracking systems without exclusives, that that's that's so much bigger.
2: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the land grab here. I love it. Let's let's get on to another land grab. Oh, uh, Kroger and Walmart are in the news. Kroger, your favorite. Uh, yes. So we'll start with Walmart and, and let you get fired up as we talk here. So. <laughs> A federal jury in Wisconsin on Friday awarded more than 125 million to a former Walmart employee with down syndrome who the EEOC claimed was fired because of her disability. Though the award is likely to be reduced to 300,000, let's do the math there. 125 million to 300,000. Why only 300,000? Well, the award includes one hundred and fifty thousand in compensatory damages and one hundred and twenty-five million in punitive damages. However, three hundred K is the cap on damages and cases brought under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Chad, this is more your lane than mine. What the actual fuck is going on here? Yeah, let's
1: be clear. Our society and laws make individuals with disabilities worth less than that of so-called fully abled individuals we are unfortunately still in a pre in the prehistoric days in the united states when it comes to treating humans fairly i mean that that that's it i've had discussions with the eeoc not specifically about this topic, but I've had discussions with them and I have to say they've only been, this administration's only been in place for six months. There are new players with real world objectives. I believe the EEOC will start to take these major wage and treatment inequities on. The question is how fast will we see change? Again, $125 million awarded to, and it took six years for her to get here, $125 million. And they say, oh, I'm sorry. The biggest organization, the biggest corporation in the world, uh, or at least in America, they're going to pay you $300,000 instead because we don't believe you're worth it.
2: Yeah, yeah. There is maybe some silver lining. Uh, An EEOC spokeswoman said in the story uh, that appeared in Reuters that the $300,000 cap does not apply to back pay, front pay, litigation costs or interest, which will be decided by a a judge at a later date. Now, none of those are going to be big payments, no. but at least some of that will be added. So maybe it'll be like $350,000. It
1: won't be anywhere near <laughs> $125 million.
2: <laughs> well, you know who has $125 million and oh. most of it going to shareholders? Kroger's in the news, Chad. What the hell's going on with them this week?
1: So remember... Kroger closed stores in locations where they were being forced to pay a $4 per hour hero pay for essential workers, by the way. Uh, Kroger said those locations were failing, by the way. That's why they closed those locations. The the Kroger CEO, McMullen, got a $6.4 million raise, more than 45% in 2020, which was over $20 million. A Brookings Institute report showed the first half of 2020 2020 that Kroger's profits were up 90%, percent nine zero percent So this isn't a we don't have the money or we work on slim margins bullshit excuse. They're making major bank. Now, using those profits, instead of instituting a $4 an hour hero pay for their essential workers, the people who actually do the jobs and look the community in the eye, instead of doing that, Kroger is planning a billion-dollar stock buyback. So the Brookings Institute report also says, quote, We find that while top retailers, profits, have soared during the pandemic, pay for their frontline workers, in most cases, have not. This is not capitalism. This is neoliberalism. This is more driving plutocrats than it is anything else.
2: You know, what surprised me from the story, and I I didn't realize this, that uh, buybacks were illegal, um, basically from 1930-ish to basically Ronald Reagan uh, in the 80s who killed it as you said, by sort of the trickle down economics uh, policy that ruled the day back then. And so make Make no mistake, I mean, politicians as well are getting rich from public companies, and that's a whole other podcast where politicians can actively buy stocks instead of like, oh, I don't know, put it in a blind trust where they don't know what they're buying. So to me, like, unless there's a a huge grassroots movement that takes hold, nothing is going to change here. The rich are going to get richer.
1: So one of my favorite podcasts, billionaire in Pitchfork Economics podcast host Nick Hanauer said, quote, Whenever a corporation whines about paying raises, just Google the name of the company and stock buybacks and you'll see where all the profits are actually going. It's going into the hands of the rich as opposed to the people that are actually doing the work. It's it's not that hard to understand. And when we talk about individuals who say, well, That person's a CEO of an organization. They deserve it. Inequity at its best when we say something like that. The people who are doing the work on the ground deserve to have living wages and to be able to continue to bolster. And I want to throw your, your favorite place under the bus here. But when Chipotle says they're raising their prices because of raising wages. And then their CEO <laughs> takes a $38 million salary. You know what? That is the worst optics. And that is a total fuck you square in your face to, to workers right? We, we raised your wages. Now we've got to raise prices. That is total bullshit.
2: Yeah. And to me, most people, if you told them we're raising costs to pay for our employees, most people would be okay paying that extra 29 cents, you know, for, for a burrito or whatever, whatever it is. And I think, Kroger missed an opportunity to say, look, forget the, uh, what was it, $4 extra an hour? Uh, We're going to go six and use it as a PR tool to get people to think favorably about Kroger instead of all these issues of like, these companies suck. They're run by a bunch of dickheads. But
1: don't say that's why we're raising the prices when your CEO's getting paid 350
2: to 400 times. (laughs) Don't turn around and, and line the pockets of, yeah. Anyway, well, speaking of lining pockets, uh, I'm going to check my Robinhood count and we'll be right back about with a story about porn.
0: Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? and wasted spending and hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants at acquire roi we make job advertising easy visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today
2: all right chad you you're a, you're a brandy love fan right oh she's like hall of famer <laughs> <laughs> Is is there a porn hall of fame? Well, I don't there know. should be. I, if there's yeah, not, there should probably. be. If there's not, and you and I could probably name at least half <laughs> of the uh, the people that would, had need.
1: Anybody who's been a twelve year old boy should be able to do that.
2: Yeah. Anyway, Brandy Love, if you don't know, just Google it. I guess uh, a porn star who identifies as a strong conservative was initially welcomed as a VIP. She had bought a ticket uh, at a Florida event by right wing by the right wing group Turning Point USA. So the the group. The group sort of focuses on on teens and young folks, which is kind of will be important here in a second. And so Love initially showed up at the Tampa Convention Center on the weekend, posting an enthusiastic photo of herself on Twitter with the caption, quote, it's good to be around so many young conservatives Gives me some hope," end quote. Uh, the conference claimed they were protecting the children at the event, which were mostly teens. Uh, while Love claimed she was there, she was there as a private citizen and not a porn star. I can say that after a little bit of homework, the po- the photos she did post were not very, uh, you know, pornographic. She was, I think, in a sundress or something. So conservatives criticize cancel culture, but are they failing to walk the walk by canceling? brandy love
1: first and foremost optics this was a, a a youth group is that is that what i'm hearing
2: yes teens and and young college students i think optics not good
1: not good beyond the optics hormones not good not good most of the boys in there probably know who you are
2: which totally goes against what the organization is which is a christian conservative group so you you have you have all these opposing forces right you have these these teen christian conservatives who should not know who brandy love is so it looks bad for the organization when they do recognize her and then you have a porn star which by the way is a legal occupation uh in the united states oh not yeah a, a strong conservative, which she has is, she is exemplified for her whole life, as far as I know. She comes in a conservative dress. You know she's not there in a bikini trying to get guys to to photograph with her. She's not taking selfies with anybody at the at the conference and then you also have this element of of speakers at the show, and this was part of the news story as well as talking about how bad cancel culture is and how uh, conservatives are independent and rugged individuals and yada 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 and criticizing cancel culture and wokeness, and then at the same time kicking out Brandy Love because she's a porn star. So there's so many perfect storm, none of this stuff should fit, and the conference made the decision to kick her out. Was it right or wrong? I guess it depends on what side you're on. What would Jesus do? <laughs> we, we out.
3: Thank you for listening to, what's it called? A podcast. The Chad.